Our second reading is from Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 19. Listen to the word of the Lord. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised for you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning. And he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two weeks ago, I was able to see my mother in person for the first time in over four months. She lives in a memory care unit, and since the coronavirus outbreak, they've not allowed any in-person visits until now. And so two weeks ago, I had the chance to be with her for 30 minutes outside at a distance, wearing masks. And I suspected that she wouldn't recognize me which I was okay with. I made a commitment going into our meeting that I would spend all of our time together focused solely on the here and now. My mother has Alzheimer's and it means that her whole reality is now the present moment. She's become a master teacher to me on what it means to be fully present. And so when we're together, we don't talk about memories of things gone by. She can't remember them. We don't talk about people who aren't with us because if they're not present, she can't talk about them. We don't talk about what her day has been like to this point because even if she could remember, she can't verbalize it. If it doesn't relate to the present moment, I was committed that we would not talk about it. And as it turns out, staying attuned to the present moment is a really difficult thing to do. Left 
to itself, my mind will go any number of places other than what's going on right here and now. But if I can somehow manage to, to follow my mother, to let her lead me and teach me, if I can just manage to stay attuned to right here and now, then she leads me into the very presence of God. Jacob finds himself a fugitive this week. Last week we saw that he traded a bowl of red lentils for his older brother Esau's birthright. And since that time, Jacob and his mother, Rebekah, schemed together to deceive the elderly Isaac that Isaac might mistakenly give a blessing to Jacob instead of to Esau. It's a memorable story, and it's a heartbreaking one as well. When Esau finds out what has happened, he, he cries aloud, weeps bitterly, and pleads with his father to give him a blessing as well. Having been swindled by his brother twice, Esau then vows to kill Jacob, and Jacob decides, I better get out of Dodge. And that's where we find him today. On his way to his uncle's home in Haran, Jacob finds himself in the middle of nowhere, a fugitive of his brother's wrath, wandering through the wilderness. He decides to make camp in nowhere special. He cozies up with a rock for his pillow. Sounds comfy. And while he's sleeping, something happens. Now, Jacob isn't looking for God. In fact, to this point in the story, he hasn't spoken to or about God at all. And yet, here in this moment of profound vulnerability, God comes and meets Jacob in a dream. Throughout the scriptures, God meets people in their dreams. I've told you before that my therapist once told me that our dreams never lie to us. For thousands of years, faithful people have found that their dreams speak to them truths that their waking minds won't allow. And in his dream, Jacob sees a ladder, or what's probably better translated, a stairway to heaven. Where do you think Led Zeppelin got their idea? And on this stairway, Jacob sees angels or messengers of God going up and down. Is it weird enough for you? Of course it is. It's a dream. They're always weird. But think about the imagery. What would it mean if there was a stairway to heaven where God's messengers could come up and down? Well, that would mean that heaven and earth connect with each other. Heaven is, is God's space. It's, it's sacred space, holy space. And in Jacob's dream, he sees that that space connects with earth, that the space of God overlaps with the space that we inhabit. It's almost as if you could say, oh, the kingdom of God has come near. I seem to remember someone else saying that. Now, our cultural understanding of heaven is often based more on Dante or on Looney Tunes than it is on the Bible. 
There's no harps. There's no clouds. In the Bible, heaven is not a place that we go to when we die. Rather, heaven is about God's space coming to us. We have the directionality all mixed up. We don't go to heaven. Heaven comes to us. It reminds me of a, of a prayer that we pray every week. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's almost as if every week we pray that Jacob's dream might come true for us. That heaven and earth might be one seamless reality. Now that's the, the mystical vision. Women and men throughout the ages in both visions and dreams have told us that this is in fact the case. That God's reality and our own are not far from one another. But, but they, they overlap. They, they intermingle if only we have eyes to see it. After witnessing this incredible divine escalator, Jacob then has a vision of God's own self coming and speaking to him, not as an angel or as a messenger, but the Lord stands beside Jacob and says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. God wants Jacob to know that the Lord is not just some local deity, but the God of your father and your grandfather. And God says, I am also your God, whether you know it or not. I'm kind of hoping after this dream, you might know it as well. And the way you will know me, Jacob, is by the promises that I make and keep to you. God passes on the promises given first to Abraham and then to Isaac. Now to Jacob, promises of land and descendants that are so many that they will be like dust on the earth in all four corners of the earth. God promises that the blessing of Jacob's family will reach everyone on earth. And then the Lord says something really important. God says, know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. Three promises given to Jacob. Presence, protection, and return. God promises Jacob that no matter what happens, I will be with you. Just like we heard in Psalm 139, there is nowhere that I can go to flee God's presence. God promises to keep Jacob, which is a promise of protection. To be someone's keeper is to stand alongside them, to advocate for them, no matter how bad things get. And God promises to bring Jacob back to this land even as he travels now into the unknown. Presence, protection, return. If God wanted to make more meaningful promises to Jacob, what would those be? See, in the end, this is all any of us really want. Presence, protection, homecoming. These are primal needs that every human 
has, and we feel them acutely in this time of pandemic. And God promises them to Jacob. Do you think that God makes the same promises to you as well? Jacob awakes from this dream and says, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. Have you ever felt that way? I bet you have. Jacob anoints his pillow rock and names the place Bethel, which means house of God, because in this place, heaven and earth are one. And this is the first anointing in all of scripture where someone takes oil and in a ceremonial way pours it out to recognize something is holy. We could just as easily call what Jacob does a christening. That word Christ means anointed one. And so Jacob anoints, christens the rock. And the oil, of course, is not what makes the rock holy. Rather, this anointing recognizes and honors God's presence that was already there. Same thing can be said for us in our baptism, that we honor and recognize the presence of God already at work in this beloved child of God. And by marking them with water, we christen this one as holy. Christians have often believed that God's anointing is limited to one person, Jesus the Christ, God's anointed one. But here we are all the way back in Genesis in our origin story, and Jacob is beginning to see that even a random rock in the wilderness can be anointed. See, God's presence can't be limited to a single rock or even to a single person, not even to just Jesus. This story in Genesis marks the Bible's ever-widening understanding of God's all-pervasive presence. Jacob thinks this place right here is holy, and he's right. But what I'm not sure he sees yet is that so is every other place as well. If only we have eyes to see it. We live in what Richard Rohr calls a Christ-soaked world where the presence of God dwells in all things. While we see God's presence most clearly in Jesus the Christ, that presence is not limited to him either. God's presence is more inclusive than we've ever imagined. Seeing my mother for the first time in four months, I wasn't sure what to expect. But when she came out of the door with her mask on, as she shuffled her feet across the pavement and made her way toward me, I was overwhelmed with something that I didn't expect. I knew as she walked towards me that I was seeing the very face of God. And in our short time together, I soaked in her presence. I told her how 
happy I was to be with her. And she agreed. And I made some comments about how nice the breeze felt upon my face and my legs. She nodded. But the more I sat with her, the more I realized we didn't need to say anything at all. We could just be together. Nothing to say, nothing to do, just be. It was a moment of true communion. And for the briefest of times, heaven and earth were one. And at that time, we were home. Jacob's ladder is all around us. For we live in a Christ-soaked world. And God is present to us in the present moment, keeping us and bringing us home to the here and the now. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. Amen.